if I had had a different environment, maybe I would have gone to college. Maybe, who knows what would have happened. Right. But I wouldn't be the Jamar I am today. And I love this dude that I am today. So I wouldn't change any of it. personal life and your professional life are inherently linked. And when you do the work on both sides, you can become the most successful version of yourself. This is a place where wisdom meets leadership, where success meets spirituality. Welcome to Do the Work with Denise Love Hewitt. Welcome to season two. I am so humbled and grateful for how our debut season was received and the love that we got from you listeners. I didn't have a lot of expectations for the season other than that I wanted to share wisdom with people and hopefully that wisdom could help transform people's lives. A lot of podcasts, a lot of people that host podcasts seem to be chasing followers or guests with high follower count. And I just think that's counterintuitive what we're trying to do here. What we're trying to do here is reach one person and one person becomes 10 people, becomes 20 people, becomes 100 people. And we reach that one person, then I have succeeded. I wanted to tell a great story with great guests, light up your hearts. And the letters and the notes and the feedback we receive meant we achieved my definition of success. So I want to thank you all for that. I want to thank you for tuning in and uh, blowing up sort of what I thought season one could be. So now we're back with a season two. And this summer season is shorter, but hopefully sweeter. We're doing things slightly different this season. I will start each episode off with a topic that I've been ruminating on, some recent ahas before we dive into these interviews. So expect these episodes to be a tiny bit longer, but hopefully worth it. I think that some of the stuff I've been reflecting on obviously has transformed my life, so I hope it'll be valuable to you. I'm so excited to share this season's guests with all of you. So without further ado, here we go. Exiting a post-pandemic world, all I can think about is joy. How are you centering joy? I've started measuring my work, relationships, and play on something I have dubbed the joy meter. If it doesn't feel joyful, I don't want it. During the pandemic, my therapist asked me, she said, what do you miss the most? And I was embarrassed to tell her what I missed the most because it felt superficial. But I told her I missed getting dressed up. I missed turning out a look. And she said, yeah, well, that's a big part of your personal expression. And she was right. It's a big part of my creativity. It's a big part of how I speak and communicate to the world. And it was really nice to have someone not judge that, which told me I shouldn't be judging it either. And following my joy meter has helped me to stay focused and in my peace. And so often when we go against our intuition or what our body wants, we end up in regret. So I've just decided to start listening to my body more. Which work lights me up? Which people light me up? Which events light me up? I follow that guiding light so I can stay present, joyful, and a better version of myself. And if the pandemic taught me anything is that time is not guaranteed. And we took sometimes like the people in our life, the time we would have with them for granted. And I don't think we can do that anymore. And so I think following the joy meter really helps us to maximize the time that we have. And so I encourage you all to do that so we can live these very present, abundant lives. I'm so happy to be here today with Jamar Rogers. Jamar's a new friend, but man, does he vibrate high. Jamar is a singer, a motivational speaker, and an advocate. You may have seen him on The Voice or from his viral TikToks, where he talks about sort of his inner child and other things he's worked through, in addition to being an incredible, incredible singer. He's truly an exceptional, positive spirit. 
Jamar, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for having me. What a great introduction. Wow. <laughs> wow. We want to we want to hype. We want to hype everyone up, not only the people, but the audience. We got to get them in the zone for what they're about to, you know, experience. Um, and, you know, when I met you, one of the things that was really remarkable was just your your energetic persona, like how you show up. It's very um, special. It's a very bright, sort of shiny, kind, warm um, hug. And I don't think I've had that exact feeling energetically, I think, before. Wow. Wow. I, that's what's funny is I felt the same thing about your energy. The moment you came into the, the room, I was like, who is this light? And then sitting next to you was like sitting next to a fire on a cold day. So the feeling is really mutual. Yeah. Thank you. We met at a friend's. She throws this wild sort of it's an event where all these different types of singers come together and perform. And I'm not a singer, but <laughs> man, am I a good lip singer. Um, well, but, but we're going to get into that a bit. Uh, so Jamar, I want you to sort of walk us through your sort of origin story, yeah. because I know you have been through a few different things in life and you started, you know, a lot of your roots I know are in the church. So yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about you know, just sort of the beginnings, the beginnings yeah, of you. Sure. I'll give you the Cliff Notes version. How about that? I was born uh, to a single mom. She was a teenager when she had me, so she didn't really know what she was doing. She tried her best. I didn't know my biological father until just a few years ago. So I grew up with like a whole host of issues because of that. I mean, I didn't even know ethnically what, what he was. So talk about an identity crisis. Uh, I was raised in church. Like I was born that next Sunday I was in church. So church was definitely like a huge foundation for me. It's where I found my voice. It's where I learned how to sing perform for the applause. Um, and so uh, I was molested as a kid, definitely faced some issues. Um, I was always a very feminine little boy. And my mom, being a black mom in the 80s and 90s, she was doing the very best she could, but she tried to beat the manhood into me. And uh, it didn't really quite work, uh, but she tried. She certainly tried. I was a mess during my teenage years. I, I ran away from home so many times. I finally stayed away from home uh, the summer before my senior year in high school. I couch surfed my entire senior year in high school. Wow. I still graduated, but uh, I, I definitely developed a, an alcohol problem in high school. And then the moment I graduated, I developed a meth problem. Like, I mean, cause I'm such an overachiever. And, um, <laughs> and so I was addicted to crystal meth for like five years between 18 and 23. I was homeless for a little bit. I was stealing from my friends. I was alone. I was alone. I, I didn't have really anyone in my corner finally got really, really sick when I was 23. And that's when I found out I was HIV positive. When I found out the diagnosis at first, of course, it was like earth shattering. Uh, however, I now call it the gift of HIV because it got me off of meth. It made me realize that I wanted to live more than ever. And so for the last, wow, 16 years, that's been my message. You know, there's no pit too deep that you can't climb out of. There's nothing that you, you're never stuck, no matter how stuck you may feel. Uh, you can always think your way into a different life, into different uh, consequences. And so that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. Uh, ever since then, I, I auditioned for American Idol. I was on The Voice. I got a lot of uh, screen time on The Voice. I almost won the show, actually, and then I got a record deal, and then I got dropped from that record deal. I got to travel uh, to South Africa and London and give all these really cool talks. And not too bad for like a former meth head who was homeless. You know, I'm, I'm getting to live the life of my dreams and I get to release music. And yes, yeah, that's it. Thank you for sharing all of that. Oh, yeah. um, you know, what, I, what I'm always drawn to is a, sort of a theme that I have found in the process of this podcast and in my life is that the people that are 
there's a people that are doing the inner work are oftentimes forced to, mm. right? Mm. You bump into life and if you're not listening, life hits you over and over in the head again until you start to listen. And so a lot of people I'm drawn to have really been through it, you know, arguably more than I have and well, definitely more than I have, but I think it's really interesting because I think it's like these sort of moments in these tests where you either give up or for something about you perseveres and, you know, going through what you were going through is obviously like, you know, someone telling you that your identity is not okay. Someone, so you want to, you want to numb that pain. And so it's obvious, right. That a lot of people turn to substances to help them numb the pain that they're feeling when we don't have the space. And so for you, I'm like shocked that you graduated high school. I was like, that's like wild. Yeah. And I graduated with 4.25. I was what? like a smart kid. Yeah. Yeah. I was a really smart kid. I feel like maybe if I had had a different environment, maybe I would have gone to college. Maybe, who knows what would have happened. Right. But I wouldn't be the Jamar I am today. And I love this dude that I am today. So I wouldn't change any of it. Well, that's so much of what it is, right? Is that that personal growth journey is so priceless. And that's what people don't understand. Like I look at like my darkest, you know, the dark night of the soul or whatever, everyone's mm. sort of darkest moments. And if you do it over again, you're like, I wouldn't do it differently because even though it broke me, it made me. Yes. And that's something that I, I talk about a lot. Yes. Um, and so I would love to sort of know, you know, for you, you know, I know there was a couple things happening sort of as you were getting clean. I think you're also were reconciling your identity. Yes. I would love to learn a little bit more sort of your process of coming out. I know that what we didn't talk about in the cliff notes is that you were married, you have some other things going on. Yes. I would love to sort of talk about the process of, you know, sort of, I guess, whatever we can use the metaphor of like a caterpillar to butterfly sure. that, that process of stepping into your true identity and your power. Yeah. I would love you to just like talk about it. Yeah. Now I call it radical self-acceptance, right? Seeing where you are and accepting where you are. And for a long time I was in such resistance to who I am that I kept like manifesting these horrible situations, horrible relationships, because I wasn't being true to myself. I wasn't being authentic. So I kept manifesting inauthenticity. Whatever you're going through in your inner world will always be manifested outside of you. So since I was such a mess and aimless, I kept finding myself in these situations where I was giving my power away. And whether I was giving my power away to the church, to my ex-wife, I just kept giving it away. I think that once I began to step in my own power, once I began to take responsibility for all of my decisions and take responsibility for my creations, I think um, I had to put aside my victimhood. I had to stop thinking that the world was out to get me. And I started saying the world is working for me, not against me. Once I began to wrap my mind around that, and I don't want to oversimplify things. This was, we're talking about a 15 year process here. We're talking about therapy. I was also going to say like the, the thing is, is that also changing the like basic mindset yes. of, you know, scarcity to abundance is really a long road and challenging, oh yes. specifically when you're in a place where you're just surviving. Right. <laughs> yes. And when you're on drugs and things like that, right. You're just thinking about the next hit. You're not actually like coming from a bigger zoomed out context. Absolutely. And so I think that's a really tough shift. And so I just, I'm happy that you said that because like, I think people are like, I'm like, it takes like years to go from oh a place goodness, of yes. scarcity to be like, Oh no, I'm stepping in my power. And I know the universe is working for me. And I think part of the integration process, it takes time to know things theoretically and then feel them in your body. Yes. That's so good. Wow. Okay, girl. That's really <laughs> good. Not only that, like with so many, I don't know, gurus and self-help people, they, they make it seem like it's really simple. And I want to stress that that's where radical self-acceptance comes in. Every day is not going to be easy. There are going to be days that you do not feel like loving yourself. There are going to be days that you do not like what you see when you look in the mirror. But if you are willing, and willingness is the key. Um, if you are willing to see life differently, if you are willing to have self-acceptance, uh, I find that that, that that does wonders, just your willingness. So uh, I, I can be all over the place. So just to 
just to stay on track here. Um, I, there are a few things that I did that really helped me uh, change my mindset. First thing was therapy. I cannot stress how important therapy is enough. We love therapy on this podcast. Oh my goodness, <laughs> therapy. I, I love my therapist. I've had several different therapists, no matter, like depending on the city I live in, I, I have, I believe in talking your shit through. I really do. And it was through therapy that I found out I, I had borderline personality disorder, that I was ADHD, and that I, I was dealing with some complex PTSD. Um, I got all the abbreviations going on here. And so once I was able to take myself out of my, my trauma and look at it like objectively, I was able to have a lot more compassion for myself and be like, whoa, bro, you've been through a lot. Like, why am I so hard on yourself? You well, have why am I so hard been on you? through a lot. Yeah. And I, and I find that I found that my inner critic was really just repeating everything I heard from my mom growing up, repeating everything I heard from the church. And that had become my internal narrative. Once I was able to change my internal narrative, circumstances around me changed. That's it. It's, it really is that simple. And so the biggest thing that helped me get on that road was mirror work. We can talk about that later if you want. But. No, I want to talk about that in a second. But I think I want to just touch on one thing, which is we all have an inner critic. And I think what I've had to learn to do, because every type A person, I mean, hmm. come on, you're mm -hmm. just, you know, nothing's ever good enough. <laughs> what I do now, and I want to hear my friends do it as well, is I say, would you talk to your friends whether you're talking to yourself right yes. now? And that was really big for me because the moment I was like, Denise, you are the biggest hype person and champion of the people around you. Mm. Why aren't you doing that for yourself? And why are you like, you know, saying that like, you're not pretty enough or you're mm. not smart enough or like whatever the things, the narratives are that we're told or the, you know, and also the thing is like life is long and things that like happen in our youth may not be the, the accurate story of where yes. we are today. Mm -hmm. And I think we forget that. And I, that's a big thing for me too. Is like, is that still my story? Ooh. That's great. Because that's, that's not, like, I've realized, too, I'm like, that's an old story. We're not living in that story, but it's a story we're not going to give energy to anymore. And so that's my biggest thing is, like, when I'm hard on myself, you know, in the mirror, whatever it is, my biggest thing is saying, would you talk to your friend that way? Yeah. And if you wouldn't, it's a really easy way to quickly delete it. Yes. And I said that to my friend the other day, and she was like, oh, my goodness, you're right. This is very negative. She's like, I was just kidding, but it's very negative. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to allow you to speak speak that way about yourself that's because great. it's just not true. Yeah. And I think that's what we have to remember. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. I, and that's where your inner child comes in too. I, um, I find that if you recognize that there is a child living inside of you and, and some of your development has been arrested, if you've gone through some traumatic things as a child, and if you'll just talk to yourself as a child from time to time, you'll, man, it works wonders. Um, that's what I talk about on TikTok all the time. Uh, I, I do these skits with me and my inner child. And so I find that with journaling my beliefs, I can find out what my inner child actually believes. And not to be honest, like I wrote down, you know, I have a scarcity mentality. I feel like the world is out to get me. I don't feel safe in my skin. Once I was able to write down all of my beliefs and take a look at them, then I could do what you said. I can be like, well, this story no longer applies. This isn't true. I don't have to believe this any longer. But again, it is a process. No, and it takes a lot. Of, it takes a long time. And that's why when I sort of, you know, whether it's like my friend dating someone new that has a lot of work to do, I'm like, let's just be very clear. This is not a three-month process. This is not like minimum a year to two years, maximum, you know, five to seven. Mm, and I think that's really wow. important because integration takes time. Yes. And so... I just think that's important for people to understand about the work. It's like you, it is all of this takes time and it's also daily like reinforcement. Yes. It's not like, Oh, we're one and done. Or like, yes, I got this epiphany. There's always new epiphanies to hit. And it's like that daily process daily. that allows you to reinforce and like keep 
in alignment, right? As my therapist says, life is always about getting back to alignment. Yes. Which yes. I think is helpful. And what do you do daily that like that helps keep you there? I have a daily like meditation practice. I'm always reading. I find reading as an input is really helpful to have different like pieces of wisdom to pull from podcasts obviously listen to a lot of spirituality or murder podcasts uh <laughs> spirituality is the ones that help me in my daily practice not the murder ones but those are my two genres yeah and then i think you know the podcast is really an expression of people in my life that have been teachers right and so this came about as an opportunity for me to share wisdom with other people and yeah. so the conversations that i find myself in in my daily life are so juicy and like nutritious. I feel like I'm just really lucky. And that's, you know, I've also cultivated that in my life, but I think that you know, I don't have to look far. Like someone asked me actually last night, like, what is, what's the most creative thing you've seen recently that's inspired you? Hmm. And I was like thinking about TV and movies and like books. And I was thinking about all the other creative mediums, like music. And my answer was, it is my conversations with the people around me. Wow. That is the most inspiring to me. Um, that gets me excited. And I love great art. I just I just can't think of something really recently. And so that's what's been lighting me up. What are yours? What is your can you also tell us about mirror work? I do mirror work every day. Uh, and I've been doing it for years. It's I, if I don't do it, I feel a little off. And mirror work is simply you uh, facing yourself in the mirror. And it's about five minutes of you just bombarding yourself with love. And so I'll start it off with Jamar. I love you. I really, really love you. I'm in your corner today. You light up my life. You are such joy. You're a delight to be around. You are magic. You're pure love. Every room that you walk into, you carry this wave of energy with you. And then I, I started believing it. I started, and in the beginning, mirror work felt awkward and it did not feel natural. Um, and so that's why I had to start with, I couldn't say Jamar, I love you because I didn't, but I started with Jamar, I'm willing to learn to love you. And then, that, and then that grew to, you know what, I love you and I think you're the shit and I can't believe I've been allowing you to go through so much nonsense. Like that is, that is a decision we've consciously made and we can unmake that decision. So uh, between mirror work, mindfulness is my jam. And I, I like all forms of meditation, but I, I'm a little partial to mindfulness because it has taught me to look at the things that come into my life as things that are just happening. They're not necessarily happening to me, they're just happening. And I don't have to form a story around the things that are happening. So that frees me up to find a solution. Again, like you, I love to read. I'm a big like religion guy. I'm just like world religions, world philosophies. I'm into learning new things. I'm, I'm into trying new things and I spit out the bones and I chew on the meat, you know, whatever works for me, I keep it close to me. If it doesn't work, I keep it moving. I don't vilify anything, anyone for what they believe. It just doesn't totally. quite work for me. And so, yeah, that's my daily before the gym. I do those things, mirror work, journal, meditate. And if I don't, then I definitely feel it for yeah. sure. Yeah. So I want to go back. So you in the process of stepping into your truest identity mm -hmm. and coming out to the world. Yeah. So you started therapy, some other things like, yeah, Tell us more about sort of like what that moment was when you decided to like own that part of yourself. So before I told anyone I was gay, I actually told the world that I had HIV, which was awesome. I told I, that was my story on The Voice. I decided to let the wow. world know. And that was thanks to two different things. It was thanks to the therapist I was seeing at the time who really helped me just start to embrace where I was. And um, I was actually being blackmailed at the time. I auditioned for the show and there was an ex that knew about my status and he found out. And he emailed me and he was like, "If I'm going to tell everybody. I'm going to tell everybody that you have AIDS. And so I said, oh, really? Well, I think I'll just tell the world myself. I'm going to take that power away from you. And it was the best decision I could have ever made for myself because once I told the world um, and 14 million people were watching that episode, 
uh, I got a career. I, I started speaking all over the place and, and, and colleges started paying me. And, and I was like, wow, you guys really care enough to hear what I have to say? They gave me the courage to just keep telling the truth. And that's what I want to impart to anyone that's listening today. If you will tell the truth, doors will open for you that you could have never, ever imagined. The more you step into your authentic nature and your authentic power, people will love you for who you are. And it's not a mask you're playing. It's not a part that you're playing. It is genuinely you and your heart. So tell your truth, clear up that throat chakra, and get to work. That's my advice for today. So I agree. I think that the universe supports you the more you step into your truth and your power. Mm-hmm. I think the truth always wins. It may not always be in our timeline, but that was something I said, you know, I've said this before on this podcast, but I started speaking about my sort of fundraising journey in my startup. And at the time it was very, um, every person around me told me not to do it. Mm, wow. And I said, well, I'm not, I have to do it. Like, you know, you get to a point where you have to speak your truth. Right. And so whether it's like you're getting blackmailed or whatever it is, and you, so the universe will throw you like continually throw you out of the nest till you get to redirect yes. you, however, they're going to redirect you. Yes. Right. And so for you, it was blackmail. For me, it was that I couldn't, I just couldn't not say it. Like I knew I had to say it. And the moment I did it, not only was it very liberating for me, but you're right. The reaction was, people celebrated it. They didn't. And for a lot of women that heard that talk, they felt very seen and heard. It felt like going to church Mm. for you. I'm sure it felt the same way for people that also were HIV positive and struggling, um, with, you know, being open about it and authentic about it. But right before you make that decision to say it, right. (laughs) What is that moment of like (laughs) fear? So much fear. And correct. You know, cause I'm like, that's the part where people like, like, yeah, I hear that you like said it was like, I should speak my truth. But like, there is this really big moment of weighing stakes and like, what is that going to look like? And so yours feels more sort of like, uh, inflammatory Mm -hmm. than mine, even though I was like, you know, really against a systemic issue. It's, this is very personal. And so I would love to sort of know some of the stuff that you were feeling before you decided to be like, okay, I'm going to go tell everyone this thing. Well, I don't want to minimize anyone's truth. I think that whatever your truth is that you're scared to tell, it doesn't have to be HIV. It can be something that is equally as momentous to you. And I want to say fear is fear and you will definitely feel it and do it anyways. Do it through the fear. There were sleepless nights. There were definitely some, some stomach pain. While I was on The Voice, my hair started falling out in patches from stress. Yeah. So when I was on The Voice, I actually wasn't uh, dealing with stress as well as I do today. So I internalized a lot of it. And so I'm going to like let you know that there is going to be a lot of fear. There is the fear that people will abandon you. There is the fear that you'll look stupid. There's the fear that you're going to ruin everything. But I have found, and this is after me doing lots of things afraid, I have found that if you will do it afraid, it always pays off. There has never been a time that I've done something afraid where it has not paid off. And sometimes you can't really imagine the outcome because it's truly unimaginable. Um, And that's what makes life so great. You know, these little surprises that life has like waiting for us once we're willing to step outside of our comfort zone. So I definitely went through the fear. I definitely felt the tension. And I still I still feel fear surrounding, you know, certain things. I think that every giant that I, I slay, there's like another one waiting to like come meet me. And that's great. Like as long as I got giants to slay, I'm still living and I love it, you know. But life is also about giving you the same lessons over and over again to see how you handle them differently. Exactly. So those giants, you have some of those old stories or that old neural patterning and then you're like, well, this time, you know, you handle it differently because you have better tools every time. Yes. And so I think that's the, the important thing to recognize is my friends like, why is this thing still happening to me? And I'm like, cause it's an opportunity to react differently. Yeah. And we all have that. And I think the more that, you know, you talk about mindfulness, the more that we can observe our thoughts and feelings, 
the more detached we become, the easier it is to sort of navigate stuff from our highest self. True. And I also like, if I feel that I'm in a rut or I keep attracting the same thing over and over again, uh, something I say to myself in the mirror is I am willing to release this pattern that keeps attracting this bullshit. Oh yeah. We delete patterns all the time. Like, I am willing to release this pattern. I, I may not be aware of what the pattern is, but I believe the universe is going to show it to me so I can make different decisions. You're not doing this thing alone. You may feel alone, but you are supported by forces unseen. No matter what your, your religious or ph philosophical beliefs are, you're not doing this thing alone. And ultimately, you are the creator of your reality. So if you want something different, let's create something different. It really is that simple, creating something different. So b growing up in the church, I have to imagine that you've had a lot of very specific like modes of thinking that mm. you've had to unlearn over time. Still unlearning it. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to understand how you've redefined spirituality for yourself. <laughs> Do are we going to talk about this right now? Okay. So spirituality for me is a connection to the divine and I cannot define the divine. I think the divine is so much more grand and vast than we could ever wrap our human minds around. And that's what makes it so spectacular to me. I think that growing up in the church, people had a monopoly on God. They were just so sure of God's personality and his likes and dislikes, not realizing that God was just simply a projection of them. And the biggest thing I had to unlearn was that God was this figure in the sky with this long beard that was just mad at me and always shaking his staff at me like, oh, I must smite you. You know, like right. I always, I, I grew up feeling that the world was unsafe. And that God was always angry with me. I grew up knowing I was gay. I knew I was gay at the age of seven. And I had, I had been taught that being gay was an abomination, not just a sin, an abomination that you can never come back from. So at the age of seven, I was convinced I was going to hell. And I think that that is traumatic. And I think that no child should have to cry themselves to sleep at night, afraid that they're going to go to hell. So what God has become for me is... Um, is me. <laughs> it's me. It's you. But it is you. Yeah, it's 100%. I agree you. with that. I believe in the law of one. I believe that we are all God having individual human experiences. Um, and I believe that that's why Jesus was so adamant about treating others the way you'd want to be treated, because ultimately that you are treating yourself. If I'm hateful to you, I'm hateful to myself, the ultimate self, the highest self. And that's what keeps my like me grounded. Uh, that's my moral compass, uh, treating others the way that I want to be treated. And that even means the un, what we perceive as unlovable. That's even your Trumps. That's even your, yep. your people, your racist, uh, your bigots. They deserve love too. And, and I find that people that are out sowing discord, they just need to have their nervous systems healed. They're, they're, they're reacting from a place of trauma. So what am I going to do? React to them? No, it's no. trauma. It's fear. It's all... You know, that, I agree with that. I think we're all connected. We're all one. I think at the core of it, where none of us are that dissimilar, um, it's where do we find the compassion? Where and, do we find the compassion? And it's, it's obviously like frustrating when people are sowing hate because we know, you know, but oftentimes like my biggest thing is like when people around me are very judgmental, oftentimes mm. I'm like, they're judging themselves. Yes. Yes. And everything is a projection. Like yeah. everything is. Once I realized that no one is responsible for the things that are happening in my life, but me then I was able to approach everything differently. So I have an altar in my house and at my altar is a mirror. And that's where I do my mirror work. That's where I burn my incense. I pray to my higher self. I ask my higher self for guidance because I know that ultimately uh, my higher self knows what's up. And then that also keeps me from thinking that there's just this figure in the sky that's always mad at me. My higher self wants to see me win. My higher self wants to see me learn lessons. Even if the lessons are tough, 
um, even if there's some discomfort here and there, ultimately, it's my best interest there that are at my, my, my highest self's heart, you know, like that my highest self wants to see me win. So totally. I love that. Yeah. That's really interesting. I think by the time, cause we talk about this a lot, like spirituality is so many things to different people. For me, it's something that's bigger than all of us. Mm-hmm. However you relate to that is totally up to you. And I'm not, we're not, you know, whether it's religion or it's the universe or whatever sure. language you use your higher sure. self, that's what we're sort of all about. But I always like to understand specifically from people that come from very specific sort of faith-based backgrounds you know, the question I always have around religion for me is how does it limit or expand you? Yes. And I think, yes. you know, who you are in your faith, you have to be asking those questions and the different constructs of faith are limiting. Other constructs are expanding. Yes. And so I think that, you know, for me, it's like, what is the, how have you decided to define that for yourself and how is that showing up in your life? And we don't may have any judgments here. We just really want to understand how people have created their own sort of, you know, we design our lives, we can design our faith. And so that's, I was, that's great. Yeah. I, I, and I think it's really, it's really interesting. So thank you for sharing all that because yeah. I know that's a lot of unlearning and rewiring a lot, uh, but I will say that it's lib has been very liberating. I feel excited to start my day every day. And that I, I wasn't, that wasn't me like uh, 12 years ago. I, I was suicidal almost every day. But that's because I got rid of this notion that God was angry with me and that God wanted to kill me. <laughs> yeah, which, which is, is crazy. crazy. Yeah. yeah. It's just like we don't know what we don't know. And when you grow up in an environment where everyone around you is saying that's true and your family is saying that's true, it's like, how how do I know what else? Yeah. Although all, yeah. all I can know is that like, I don't think I was born wrong. Yeah. But like. Maybe I was right. I'm sure that's the narrative that yeah, goes through oh your my head. God. Yeah. I, well, I definitely there. I thought I, I believe that was born wrong. I wow. believe that. Also, my mom, you know, she, I was an accident. So she she even says that it wasn't until I was 12 years old that she stopped regretting having me. And Whoa. so energy is loud. And though she may have never said those words to me, I felt that energy from her growing up that I'm a mistake. I'm not supposed to be here and you don't want me. Can you imagine how I internalized that and how that affected all of my relationships? Just trying to be seen, trying to get that affection, trying to feel like I had to earn. Right. Prove that, that I'm worth yeah, something. Yeah. And so now that I know that I know that I know that not only am I worthy, I'm a delight. Like what? <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, I don't have to fight for anyone's attention. And if and if someone chooses that they don't want to be bothered with me, uh, that's their decision. That's their prerogative. I don't take it personally anymore. That's for sure. No, it's a litmus test. That's what I always say is like, you know, specifically when it comes to romantic stuff, I have friends who date people and they're like, I'm like, well, then that that's not meant for you. Yeah. And it's a and litmus you dodge test. The bullet. Yeah. yeah. We, you know, you, you, we choose how to react to circumstances. If we want to allow lower vibrations into our life, that's a choice we're making. If we want to like, you know, set a boundary around our self-worth, that's another choice, yeah. right? So it's easier said than done. Sure. But I think those are important things for people to take with them. I also think that if you grew up with abandonment issues or you have uh, rejection sensitivity, of course, that, you know, as you're older and you feel that someone has ghosted you or they've rejected you, of course, it's going to trigger you. It's going to yeah. definitely touch on your inner child. Um, and that's where it's radical self-compassion comes in. You have to be willing to say, you know what? Why am I automatically jumping to the assumption that it's my fault that they don't want to be around? Why don't I have my side? What, what's wrong with them that they don't want to be around me? And so I'm just my own best friend now. I'm my, my own cheerleader. Instead of taking the side of other people initially, I'm going to take my own side. Like, what the hell? Right, because if you don't, who will? That's who you. will, yeah. So I imagine music must have been a very mm. cathartic, powerful tool during all this. Always. Trauma. Yes. 
And I would love you to speak to not only that, but also how does your spirituality show up in your music? <laughs> okay. So uh, growing up, I was only allowed to sing Christian music and I was only allowed to sing in church. So I, I was raised thinking that secular music, which is music that's not gospel, was wrong and was a sin. So that's that's a whole other host of issues. Oh, that my I had goodness. To like, oh, yeah. We got I got spanked for smuggling a, a, a boys to men tape inside the house. Like it was very it was serious. We couldn't watch rated R movies. It was a very strict household. I mean, I couldn't watch rated R movies. I was 17 either. Oh, but wow. OK. So see, I don't feel as no, we had a lot of like rules around content. I was allowed to watch PG-13. I was 13. I wasn't allowed to watch MTV till I was 13. Like well, my, that's, that my, seems kind of appropriate actually no I mean in retrospect <laughs> yes but when you're like 13 you're like all I want to do is go see like Romy Michelle's high school reunion um or like clueless and I wasn't allowed to and all my friends are like ha- like talking and I'm like I'm the outsider you know all of it the yes. real dying to watch the real world yes um that being said I think things like the real world at that time were actually very edifying mm-hmm. um in terms of like understanding different types totally, of people yeah so you know that's my counterpoint but yeah no I had we had a lot of limited uh there was a lot of restrictions on what we could ingest just from my parents wanted us to be kids and didn't want us to like grow up too fast. See, and- I respect that as opposed to my mother thinking everything was witchcraft. So <laughs> I yeah, feel like your parents came from a very philosophy. logical. <laughs> different philosophy. Um, but once I, uh, I, even when I was at the, like the height of my meth addiction on my most depressed days, I would sit on the bathroom floor and just sing my heart out because that was the only thing that would make me feel better was singing. And once I was able to get clean, uh, and deal with the, the whole HIV thing. Again, it was music that saved my life. It was this this idea that everything else may reject me, but music never rejects me. Music loves me and holds me close. So I, I was signed uh, to Tommy Boy. I released an album called Lazarus, which obviously has religious connotations to it. And though the album wasn't religious, every song on it was talking about an experience with the divine, basically. And then the album flopped and no one liked it. So there was that. And I had to go back to the drawing board and ask myself, well, why do I make music? What am I trying to express? Um, and so for two years, I was silent because I felt like for the first time in my life, music had betrayed me. And it was only because mm-hmm. of, you know, nobody bought my album. And so music didn't betray me. I betrayed myself in the sense that I didn't promote it. I, I put it out there. I had imposter syndrome. I didn't believe in it. I, t- I talked shit about my own project. So now that I have new music coming out, I believe in myself more than ever. That's the first thing. The second thing is I find that as an artist, I almost have a moral obligation to talk about the human experience, to make music that lets people know that they are not alone. And so I find that if I inject too much spirituality into a song, the average person cannot relate. And it's almost like spending too much time on the mountaintop and expecting people to just join you up there. I find that I have to come down from the mountaintop, talk to folks in the language that they understand so that that we can all like transcend and ascend together. And so my next song uh, that's coming out next month is called Flow. And uh, I have been in my very first healthy relationship. It's been about a year and a half. He's He's an amazing soul. And the whole song is about my anxious attachment style and how I wasn't emotionally available when I first met him and I didn't even realize that I wasn't and how I just had a whole lot of anxiety surrounding accepting love. I didn't even know how to accept love. Right. So this song is talking about going with the flow. It's really a Buddhist principle about accepting the cosmic flow and accepting your place in the world and not forcing things, just allowing and being in alignment while you allow. So that's how that's kind of how my spirituality affects my songs now. I, I, I want to make them simpler in a way that's more palpable for uh, people that don't meditate, for people that don't have a background in right. any of that stuff. Yeah. No, I think that's beautiful. I think that's actually, you know, we talk a lot about attachment style on this podcast too. And, 
you know, I think that's something a lot of people can relate to. Mm. And a lot of people, you know, it's hard to, it's scary to accept love. It's, it's the most vulnerable state we're in. So I think that sounds beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Can you give us like maybe a couple acapella <laughs> lines from the song? Oh my goodness. You bro. knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I did not. Yes, I you did. did. I can, I can, I, you know what? I have it on my phone. <laughs> I can play it for you. You don't want to go off the cuff. Jamar I has the most beautiful voice thank of all time. You. I just, I also am a, I, I'm a preparer. Oh, you didn't did, vocal I prep. I didn't warm up at this morning. Okay. We can give us, give us just like a little hint uh, on your phone then because okay. we're not going to, we, we understand preparation as a Virgo. I understand. We love prep. Thank you. Thank you for understanding. And I will play this a chorus for you how about that great get it ready I hear the church in there. Yeah, oh, that the church will never leave me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's too much of my it's too much of my roots to ever leave. Yeah, I, I love uh, I love harmonies. I love big choir sounds. So that's definitely in my in my songs. Yeah. If you ever get the privilege of seeing Jamar live, when he goes off on the <laughs> mic, it is a spiritual experience. It is. It is. It feels like you're in church. There's a very special. Thank you. You know, it's it's a you can tell like real real soul, right? Mm. Like real like something bigger than you comes out in wow. those moments. Whoa, what a great thing to say. Thank you. No, it's true. There's there's a lot of singers. You you. It's a different. It's a different quality of music when people have been through stuff. When people have soul, but there's a very different way to sing. Yes. I agree. I call it singing from, I've been through something. So I sing from that place. Yeah. yeah, But the ability to tap into that, you know, there's a lot of other variables Mm. that come to being able to show up in that capacity because it's a very raw form of singing. It's not like, you know, you're very vulnerable. It's not like I'm just out here, you know, trying to make this perfect or I'm Mm. performing. It's, you know, we're going to like the, the feral animal place. Yes. I like that feral. Yeah. When I DJ, it's always like, it's catharsis. It's I'm in total flow state where it's not, you know, she's a different person than the person that's talking now. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I relate to when Beyonce talks about Sasha Fierce because it's like when you're in that, it's, it's just a, it's a energetic expression. It's an energetic expression. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still who you are. You know, it's just a different layer of your personality. We're all multidimensional. We're all textured. That's part of it. We're not always good as, at accepting that mm. in society, but that's true, right? Mm-hmm. There's all these layers. And so I, you know, definitely think we all possess that. Okay. We're going to jump into our rapid fire questions. Oh, here we go. And these are just intuition. Everyone answers them. Don't think too hard about it. Okay. What would you tell your 20 year old self? Oh, where would I start? The first thing I would say is you're not as ugly as you think you are. That's just capitalism trying to make you buy things. Um, the se- th- second thing I would say is you're not going to hell. <laughs> the third thing I would say is like, you are so fly. I can't believe you question it. Love. Yeah. What's the last book you read? Oh, my goodness. Um, the last I just finished it, actually. It's a book called Game Changers by Neil Schusterman. And it's such an interesting book. It's about uh, this football player who every time he gets hit in the head, he his reality changes. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's Whoa. Really, it was, it was, is it a true story or fiction? No, it's fiction. Oh, okay. Uh, but I killed it in like two days. It was just oh, I really, love books really good. Like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, cool. We're going to add it to the list. I like fiction too. So, yeah. Yeah, I like to mix it up. Me, me as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What are you struggling with right now? 
Hmm. What am I struggling with right now? Um, I guess a little imposter syndrome. Uh, I have my song coming out. I'm in the middle of making the music video. And since I'm an independent artist, I'm pulling, I'm pulling it together all myself. Uh, my boyfriend's a videographer, so he's helping a lot. But like, I'm the executive guy. And it takes an incredible amount of self-belief to say, I have a great product here. I'm going to put it out. So there is still some, uh, I know it's good. I know I'm in the right place at the right time doing the right thing, but there's still a little fear in the back of my mind. Like what if, so yeah, yeah of course you don't know how the, all we can do is create art with our fullest heart and put it out there. We don't know how yep. it's going to be received. Absolutely. And that's the biggest thing I, you know, even on this podcast, like I was always like, I believe we're telling amazing stories and then the rest, the, the universe will do what it's meant to do. That's, right. That's it. And that's the flow. Yeah. And that's, and I think, you know, it's hard because you put so much into it. You really want it to net, you know, because that means something in the world that we live in. Mm -hmm. But I think that you've already succeeded if you stand by the song you made. And so the rest is not up to you. The rest is not up to me at all. Thank you. You're Better welcome. preach, Miss Denise. <laughs> what is bringing you joy right now? Me. <laughs> I don't know how that sounds. No, but, I love this. But I it's love me. this. I um I I don't know if it's Leo season or what, but every day I've just been waking up with this like fire. And Same. <laughs> I have just been I I pass a mirror and I'm like, yes. <laughs> it's just this I'm me. I'm I, I am my own source at the moment. And um my boyfriend's amazing. He's great. But like he's not my whole life, you know what I'm saying? Like I I'm I'm with me the most. And so I, I call myself my love. I talk to myself the way I would talk to him. And I find that I get little crushes on myself throughout the day. And I find that when I feel that way about me, nothing is impossible. 100%. Self-love is so huge. So I've been saying this a lot, but to people around me. So I'm sharing it now with the audience. But last season, we interviewed Alana Mayo, who's the head of Orion Pictures, a big wow. studio. Wow. And Alana said this thing that at the time I was into, but I've gotten more into over the past six months. She said that when you're negotiating a contract, her dad's advice is always like, when you negotiate, you need to know whose season it is. Mm. Is it mm. their season or is it your season? Because if it's their season, you negotiate, but you like, you know, you don't go too hard. When it's your season, yes. you go hard. That's good. And I will tell you, there is a, there's a quality of feeling. I've never felt it before, but I feel it now as I'm stepping into my season. Yes, and I feel the same way. Right. But there's like a knowing where you're like, it's my season, finally. But I think... I was telling some of that because I'm, I'm always a pretty happy stasis person, but there's a new level of joy I have been feeling in the past Same. couple months that is awesome. Yes. And I keep being like, I just want to feel this way all the time. Yes. But I think you're right. A lot of it has to do with self-love and a lot of it has to do with that. But I think that that's what I want to share with people because if it's not your season yet, it will be your season. It's yeah. cyclical. But I thought that was such a profound thing that the time when Alana said it, I was like, I didn't really, it didn't, it didn't like nestle in my body until recently. And I've been talking about it a lot. I totally feel it. And I, and I believe that every season is your season. There's just some seasons to be quiet. And then there's some seasons to put yourself out there. Oh, I, wow. I feel like you're learning, know thyself and to thine own self be true. And I feel like in every season, you get a new opportunity to know yourself on a deeper level. And that, how could that not be for you? What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? I, I think I just said it, and that is to know yourself and to your own self be true, first and foremost, uh, before you consider anyone else, before you consider your spouse, before you consider your boss, which is, I know, goes against everything we've ever been taught. Consider your feelings, consider how it's going to make you feel, consider your, 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 your mindset, just consider you. You are the most important thing that could ever happen to you, and act like it. So I'm going to walk us through some of these amazing takeaways because there's some really, really good ones. 
Jamar preaches radical self-acceptance, seeing who you are and accepting you who you are, even when it's very hard to. The world is working for you, not against you. I love this one. Willingness is the key. Hmm. I think that's that's like for me, it rings so, so true. Like you if you're curious and you're you know, you want help, the teachers always show up. It's yes. like we have to be willing um, and open yes. and then it will show up. Uh, the more you step into your authentic power, the more people will love you. And I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think the universe supports authenticity and truth. Fear is fear. Do it anyways. Energy is loud. <laughs> that one got me. Energy is loud. I, I think that whether or not we're audibly saying things, people feel things, they can feel it energetically. And so when you talk about even things like anxious attachment styles or unavailability, yeah. right? People feel that whether or not you're expressing things and that's what we have to remember. And then we wonder why we got ghosted. <laughs> yeah, remember. Yeah, your energy spoke. Uh, no, there's lots of reasons for there's that. Lots of reasons, lots of reasons yeah. for that. We're not gonna, we're we're not not gonna, gonna go. simplify it. <laughs> Everything may reject me, but music loves me. Mm -hmm. I love that one. That's so true to you. And pray to your higher self. Pray to your higher self. You are rooting for you. Your future you is rooting for you. Your past you is rooting for you. Mm. I've said this before on this podcast. I say it all the time that 13-year-old you is in awe of your life. Yes. And we oh forget gosh, that. Yes. And so just know that at every juncture of your life, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. And pray to your higher self. Jamar, this has been very special. Yeah. Oh, I love you. Really Miss special. Denise Love. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Thank you for doing this. We can't wait for the world to hear this. And yeah, it's been awesome. Thank you all for listening. You can listen and subscribe to Do The Work on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, anywhere you can listen to podcasts, you can find ours. It makes a huge difference if you could review, share, and rate this podcast. I want to give a big thank you to Entertainment Speakers Bureau and Angela, Wine Designs Media, Lenny Skolnick for the musical intro, Lindsay Johnson on the graphics, Olivia Christian on social. I'm so, so grateful. I hope you find or continue living in your purpose. Thank you.